welcome to Talking About All Things Inclusion, a podcast where I get to meet and learn from people in the field of inclusion in its broadest sense that inspire me. I hope they'll inspire you too. Today, I'm talking with Rebecca Talkoff. Rebecca is the co-founder of Train Your Roar. Rebecca, Rebecca consults for community fitness startups and teaches fitness classes and self-defense classes for women. In her spare time, she coaches youth sports teams in her local area. She is passionate about gender equity in sports. She wants every woman to live feeling safe, free, and strong in her own skin. Her most recent endeavor to achieve this goal is her training program with Rwandan educators to teach self-defense to their female students. Rebecca, as my landlady turned friend, you are the person I know longest from my stay in Boston. We'd gotten to know each other virtually before I arrived, but we soon learned we have a lot in common one thing being our desire for inclusion in all aspects of society. While you didn't get me into a class or on a track, I learned so much about inclusion and sport from listening to you talk so passionately about your projects. That's why I'm so delighted to be recording one of our conversations today to share your passion and insights into gender equity in sports and the work you are doing to contribute to this. Thank you, Mags. Thanks so much for having me. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, what is Train Your Your Roar, and what inspired you to develop the training program in Rwanda? Absolutely. Um, First and foremost, I'm a mom of four teenagers who you've had the pleasure of meeting. Um, I am also the daughter of a first and 10th generation American. My dad's a Holocaust survivor and my mom is the daughter of an American Revolution. So there's a lot of history um, in in my background. I started out studying history with some um, pre-medical coursework as well and paused my career to raise my family. I took up running uh, with a group of women about 13 years ago. And that's really been a source of inspiration and motivation ever since. When my kids were all in school, I became a fitness trainer and community entrepreneur, um, which brought me to a women's running retreat, which is where I met the other founder of Train Your Roar. She led a safety and self-defense workshop geared towards female runners. And uh, we realized we came from the same part of the United States. And I was very eager to have her come visit my community fitness business. Shortly after Trump got elected, Uh, We got very upset. Me too was very pervasive and we sought a healthy venue for our discontent. So we incorporated Train Your Roar LLC, also known as Roar Training LLC. Uh, I've taken the role as networker and communications director and started doing a lot of outreach locally as well as through social media. And I made some amazing connections. One of those was the director of Camara. Camara means to be strong and have courage. And it's a program based in Rwanda to develop self-confident young women through education, community development, and health and sport. Uh, The pandemic made it impossible for us to visit in person. So we pivoted to virtual training. And in many ways, it allowed us to reach a broader audience. Uh, We led a safety leadership training for the staff. And we hope to follow up uh, with an in-person visit in the coming year to do a bit more of the safety self-defense technique. That's a little bit about how we we got started with Camara. That's really interesting. I I know from chatting to you that you talk about your running group 
as your tribe and mm-hmm. it really is a family and from learning about um what you you've described there as roar training and that safety leadership training it does have that family that tribe safety community aspect to it was that something that you had planned on from the outset or is that something that like emerged as you were building this training for young women particularly the Rwandan project well, we, I would say it emerged. We started with some local training um, more in our town with Girl Scouts, with elementary schools, with some, with some groups out in my synagogue. And what we realized is emerging around the world were women who were getting empowered through uh, physical exercise. And we, both the co-founder, Julie, and I believe that um, you know, emotional or, or emotional strength or that uh, grit and, and courage sometimes can come, at least for many people, in the form of physical strength and courage. And so we always wanted women to feel physically safe um, as a way to um, better themselves in society and to be seen more as equals. And we see areas where uh, women are emerging as equal members kind of internationally, uh, sort of the same thing is happening with their physicality. So we're starting to see um, women in Nepal or parts of Africa become athletes. And they're becoming athletes in societies where that was never something that they were supposed to be. So hand in hand with that is, is becoming physically safe running, for example, is an activity you might be doing alone. (laughs) And so you also need to feel safe in your community and in your streets or roads or woods, whatever, wherever you happen to be. Um, But to answer your question, we, these things have really evolved. We've started doing, um, similar to you, we started doing some interviews with different running leaders. Uh, There's a woman who has really led um, she's a trailblazer, literally and figuratively. Um, she started, she was one of the first Nepalese women to start trail running. Um, and she's now training women to trail run. And she has invited us, you know, at, when it's possible to come and lead her group. And she trains women to be trail runners, but she also teaches them English and how to lead, um, you know, trekking groups uh, and trekking tours around Nepal. So she's uplifting their their position they'll be able to have a job and and fend for themselves and not be reliant on a husband or a or a father or an uncle and as well as as becoming uh, an athlete and um, playing a different role in society. Rebecca you, you said there or you made reference to women in in different places around the world becoming what they weren't meant to be um, and I know from our conversations you are talking about that male perspective mm-hmm. of where women are placed in society and female equity within all aspects of society. And it seems that your, your roar training and sport and physical health in general has just been one way of opening a door, that this is the approach you're taking to gender equity in general, but that you're doing it through the medium of sport, of, of sorry, of sport, would that be correct? Yeah, I like to think that as well. 
Um, and it's not for everyone, obviously, but it is it is something that spoke to me personally, and I like to share with for others who who might gain some of the same strength and uh, and messages through that. But yes, it and it's becoming, I think, even more interesting because, you know, we're we're sort of getting to a place where women are feeling more equal across the globe in many places. But now, with um, you know, if you want to be truly inclusive there are more challenges to that. And now that gender is more of a fluid identification or classification, and you're seeing a little bit of that in the Olympics or in different, um, with the swimmers recently, we see it in the running world where uh, we have, you know, it's hard, you can't just say you're a man or a woman. There, there are many other, other, um, other types of classifications that need to have a place and also need to be included and in a very equitable and fair way. And that's that's a real challenge to the norms. It really is. And I, I think you've taken a really interesting approach because for me, when I would have thought about self-defense for women, I would have thought about it as us being weaker physically and having to protect ourselves against the dangers and I know while I was um, living with you that I read an article where you had talked about women being attacked when they're out running but what you also seem to be saying is that this physical strength and this healthy body healthy mindset around exercise and sport is actually about building confidence it isn't about feeling you need to protect yourself from someone or something stronger but it's actually about a, a whole person confidence in entering not just sport but in entering society in the world and opening those doors absolutely yeah I love what you're saying and that that's exactly our highest our highest hope for it is that it's not a place people come in fear it's a place where we, you might come with some concerns but you'll leave feeling more empowered so we really focus on giving you tools so that when you walk the earth you feel safe and you feel like you have the tools of within your own body and your own self to do that and I think that what that does is it puts you in a lot of uh, it puts you at, at, in a place where you're going to open doors for yourself. You're not going to wait for them to be open. You're going to feel confident you are welcome and that you know how to enter a room with that feeling. And we want people to carry that with them all the time, no matter what your gender is. But you want to have someone feel like the, the earth is a, is a safe place, or at least you have the tools to know when you are or aren't safe and what to do in those situations. We talk a lot about... Um, awareness and um and using your instincts um we talk a lot especially with younger people who have grown up with a lot more technology um where their head is somewhere else they might be looking at a an iphone or or they're not quite um present is to sort of bring people back to where they are and have them we do games where we have people um try to remember details about where they just were uh, to create that that real presence um, and to to have them sort of get back in tune with their instincts. It's actually not just a sense of physical confidence and strength, but it's a mindset of confidence and strength. And then you went to talk about actually these strategies 
that and even this one the instinctual one and being able to remember things that you see in your surroundings like that goes into every aspect of our life like it goes into if we're students into like studying if we're working into our work life like those skills that are being taught through sport and through your self-defense programs actually generalize and permeate out into everything else that we do again whether we're male or we're female or other or other <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes absolutely and i i think that that's important is the mindset um that to me is everything in life and once you once you start to have that confidence and whether it comes from physical or or other i think that's a, sort of a unique decision or a kind of something unique to each person is where you find that confidence. Um, so we, certain people might be attracted to this, this type of physical confidence or athleticism. Um, but certainly it comes from lots of places. Uh, I do think that once you have that mindset, yes, you can apply it to everything, to all aspects of your life. And it certainly um, has really changed my life as well. So it's something that I, I hope to spread to, to whoever it is that you know, wants to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that you did add other to my male and female because you can't actually talk about gender equity in two spheres anymore. And I know sometimes we forget to bring other spheres and other identities into our conversation. So I'm really glad that you did because that is a huge part of equity as we are, I, I suppose, as we are, are kind of just transversing our way and exploring the these new for us new gender pathways they've been there for a lot of people for a lot of time mm -hmm. except yes. that the status quo didn't recognize them or didn't acknowledge them and this is something that i know you feel strongly about as well that it's not just male female that it is equity across genders for want of a better phrase yeah you could i guess we can really just say for humans if we want to be very equitable <laughs> yeah yeah. Rebecca, I'd love to go back to your Rwandan project. And just because mm -hmm. I know this is a very altruistic project that you mm -hmm. were doing at the moment, um, having seen the more than hectic life you lead, being, <laughs> being a, a mom of four teenagers, um, going back to study yourself, having your job, and then doing all of this sport as an addition, to then add something that is philanthropic and something that you were giving your time of um, with limited resources to do. Could you just share some of the experiences that you've had yourself by delivering this program, but also some of the shared experiences that your students have brought back to you about it? Yes, absolutely. So um, I would say I can speak for my co-founder and I, for Julie and I, I think we were so thrilled to see a group of women in a completely different part of the, of the world getting something from this training. You know, we have, we developed it to share with many and we were concerned a little bit about language differences, but what we found is that the spirit was translated through Zoom. <laughs> there was no question. And we also, what we really enjoy and, and saw in these workshops was that moment in someone's face when you can see that they've realized their power. And it's what really keeps us motivated and makes us 
um, always willing to, to lead a workshop anytime, any place, anywhere, because when you see that, it's the most rewarding thing in the world. And we were witnesses to that again, and it was a wonderful feeling for us. Um, we got some really wonderful news from some of the Comera staff in, through a blog where uh, one of the women, the young women who took our training course, used some of our techniques and um, and stood up to um, someone who was trying to pickpocket her in a um, in an open market area. And rather than become a victim of a crime, um, she was loud and she used her her voice and she called for help and she wouldn't. Um, she got him in a bit of a hold and, and we were, and, and she felt so wonderful and all the people around her were grateful that she had stood up for herself because it also meant that that pickpocket wouldn't come back to the market to hurt or to try to steal from others. Um, and I think he actually came and apologized to her later, which was also a really wonderful thing. Um, he was also, he also got in a bit of trouble. So, um, We've got we got a really wonderful blog post from from Camara about how they were already seeing this was maybe a month after we finished the training. Yes, so I think the That's women amazing. felt very empowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it goes it goes back to just you know roar like that was the first thing that this young person thought to do was actually mm -hmm. use their voice. It wasn't even about the physical tactics that you you taught them. It was actually that first be loud. I love that you said it that way, um, because be loud isn't only just about defending ourselves in, in a tricky situation, but you know, in, in terms of an equitable society, sometimes some groups need to be louder than others to actually be heard and be seen. Yes, and that's something I think in certain parts of the United States, and I don't know if it's the same in Ireland or Europe, but women have traditionally uh, taught to be more soft-spoken and quiet and it does not serve us all the time. And so uh, we find sometimes that while women in our workshops really enjoy the physicality and the punching and the kicking and, and some of the holds and grabs that we teach, the part that is harder to get people excited about is that using their voice and yelling. And so we practice, we practice yelling, we practice what we're gonna say and then we, we do it together at first to try to get people more comfortable, but we really have had to spend a good bit of time sort of figuring out how to um, make people feel comfortable enough to yell with, with that angry face, with that intention of, of safety, because it's not like, yeah, you know, it's not a happy yell. It's a, it's a pretty serious yell and you want to send a message with your words. And that's not comfortable for a lot of people. So yeah, I think uh, using your voice is is sometimes more challenging than using the physicality. Yeah, and I, I guess it's something we don't think of as being a cha challenge. Uh, for you as the educator, I'm guessing you would have thought the challenge would have been teaching them how to use the physical strategies. And then you had to go in and you realized you had to actually start on building their confidence to actually just use their voice. And as you said, use their angry face because you know we are meant to be pretty a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've had to really, um, we actually taught a group of, of uh, 
Girl Scouts. And one of them was a young budding actress. I think she was 11. And she was great because she said, well, in acting class, when I play, you know, a bully or somebody, these are the types of things we have to, to do with our bodies. And I was like, if I could repeat exactly what you said, in every, and I tried to actually is use some of those techniques to describe what we're what we're going for. Um, that's usually really helpful. But on the physicality piece, I want to add what we're the type of self-defense that we're training people in is called Krav Maga. And it's a very accessible type of self-defense. It's a system. It's not a martial art. So it's not it's not like Taekwondo or karate. It's um, it's a it's a self-defense system that was developed by um, uh, early, I guess, right after the programs against the Jews by Emi Lichtenfeld and he um, he was a gymnast and a boxer, and he was noticing that his friends were getting beat up in the street. And so he developed this kind of self-defense system that's now used by the Israeli army, which and Israel has mandatory conscription. So it had to be something that was um, fairly simple to learn in terms of the, the sort of the structure behind it. Um, and it's had to be accessible for all ages, all, all genders, all body types, all physical, you know, physical abilities. And so it's worked really well because it's, uh, it's pretty accessible. Yeah, and I, I think in what you do, managing that uniqueness of body and mind is something that's so important in building this confidence and in building this, this strength in mind and strength in body. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, I've done a little kind of through my, uh, my public health work and, and in rare disease as well. I've, I've found a similar type of strength in the rare disease community. And I think, um, you know, that's something people are starting to starting to raise awareness for, at least in, in the United States and some of the emerging markets across, across the globe, but people who are, um, you know, people really have to raise their voices also in other areas to be heard. And so I like what you said about sometimes you, a smaller group has to be extra loud <laughs> to be heard. And Rebecca, one thing we haven't talked about is, is your own um, sporting achievements. You are a phenomenal marathon runner and have been very successful in a number of the New York and the Boston Marathon are two that I know of, although I think there may have been a few more. And I remember you talking to me about resilience being the hardest part of the marathon race, that it wasn't actually the, the physical, it was the resilience. And I know resilience is something that, again, I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious, but seems to thread through your, your roar training as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, okay, I'll try to piece it all together. Yes, I'm a, I'm a distance runner. Um, I, as my kids can attest, I really can't dance. I'm, I will trip over myself and <laughs> I enjoy it, but I'm not good at it, but I am pretty good at putting one foot in front of the other and running in a straight line for some reason. <laughs> I find it a little bit meditative, but you're right. The, I think the marathon is a great distance to sort of use as an analogy for resilience, because you cannot train for 20, you cannot fuel and train properly for 26 miles your body no matter what is going to run out of energy somewhere they call it hitting the wall you've heard of it and I think that's a great analogy for for life's challenges is very often you hit a wall and it's what you do after that I think that makes or breaks the experience and 
you know, obviously sometimes you get injured, you need a break, you're done. Um, but the last six miles of a marathon are just when the heart comes out. And I think running those was, um, you know, a great trainer for, for life's challenges that, that hit at different times. And you, you're really not in control when those events hit, but you can usually call upon, you know, that physical experience and you know, you can do it. You just have to, you just have to kind of keep going. So thank you for your, your kudos. I'm not an exceptionally fast runner, but, um, I do enjoy it. And I, the spirit of the marathon is really what keeps getting me back. And just each person is on, you know, each person running those races is on a journey in that moment, which is paralleling your, your own. Um, and sometimes you might, you know, feed off each other or run with a buddy for a little bit, but everyone is just doing it really, I think, to, to show themselves that they can. Absolutely. And then hopefully that will come in handy at a later date. <laughs> I, I love what you said. You said it's, it's just about putting one front, one foot in front of the other. And we could apply that to pretty much everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. And yep. I absolutely love that. Um, just going back to the, the equity, and we've talked an awful lot about gender, but there is also the equitable disadvantage in sport. And again, you talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, you talked about, again, the, the Rwandan program where they didn't have resources, they didn't have the materials, and you and your partner literally on your feet in front of a, a group of people via Zoom had to figure out how you're going to teach this to a group of people who didn't have the resources that maybe a group of your American students who were paying to do your course may have. Do you see that mm-hmm. that kind of inequity a lot in sport or was this something new to you with this program? I mean, I think you see it in everything. I mean, the, you know, we have in the United States, well, we bring our fancy punch pads to class. We tell people to wear their sneakers. We tell them to wear their, you know, leggings. And you might go somewhere where leggings is not an, something that exists. There are no punch pads. You have to make do with mattresses or pillows or chairs. <laughs> Maybe just a yoga mat is all you can find. We're not necessarily, um, you know, equipped, but if you can, you know, it's pretty much, you figure it out. You kind of figure out how to, how to do that. But I think in a way that's just a, a metaphor for the tools that each person brings to their life and their kind of their set of experiences and you pivot and you make do and, and you can figure it out. And you know, we were in a group setting, so we could communicate a little bit about it and, and see what worked for everyone. And then a little bit, we had to just be like, oh, let, let's not use the chair. <laughs> let's, not, let's not punch the chair. Be careful of each other. You know, make sure everyone was safe in the class, too. It's a little bit more challenging on Zoom. Um, but we ended up having a good time with it. And I think making the best of that situation. Yes. And yeah. it's incredible yeah. what you can do with, with not that much. And I, I think that is one of the, the lovely advantages of sport is that, okay, so you, you may not have the money to go pay for a class or a gym, but you can get out there and you can run, you can dance, even if your feet don't go the right way, you know, you can go to a local basketball court or whatever it is, that there are those opportunities outside of those paid venues to go to build this confidence and build this strength physically and in mind. You know, I have to say, I, I didn't realize how lucky I was being able to, I've grown up on the Boston Marathon course 
And I didn't realize that the wheelchair start was unique to Boston until I was much, much, much older. And we've actually, there's actually a new category that came after um, the bombing and that those were um, another sort of a para runner. Uh, we have blind runners, we have para runners, we have wheelchairs and then, you know, two-legged runners as well in the Boston Marathon. And I, that's what I think makes it the best event ever is just opening it to anyone who wants to give it a go, no matter what. Um, and I, I don't know if I mentioned that there's also um, a rowing event because I, I did a little teaching of, uh, of rowing as well. And we have a, a yearly event in Boston um, called the Crash Bees. I don't exactly know why they're called Crash Bees, <laughs> but everyone gets on an erg. And the erg is a rowing machine that you know you use inside. It's got a little wheel and handles and a slidey chair. Um, but when you go to the Crash B event, there are a lot of um, of different categories. So yes, we have age categories, gender categories, um, but there are also different um, different categories of abilities. So people who throw with their upper body, people who are just using their lower body, people who are you know there's lots of ways to modify that machine or to modify that uh, exercise. So it's accessible to all. And um, yeah, I recently actually I uh, sprained my ankle a couple of weeks ago running and, but I got on the erg and I was like, I know how to use this erg in so many ways now that I would have previous, you know, thought, Oh, I can't get on the rower, but I totally could. So I think there's something for everyone to learn um, about, about just, figuring out how to make something open to all. Absolutely. And it goes back to not creating something for just one type of person, but if we're creative in the way we design things, then everyone gets to benefit and enjoy it as well. And even for, I was really lucky in that the marathon was changed this year. So it was September instead of April. So as, as we both agree, I'm not a sporty person at all, but I got to be a participant on the sides and I got to observe it. And like there was such a party atmosphere, like people came out with their chairs and their picnics. Um, and I like I know you were like up at the crack of dawn to be down there. Like it's a whole day event for everyone, not just for the athletes, like supporting them and acknowledging their hard work to getting there is a significant part of the Boston Marathon anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is a, a very much a statewide celebration. We we made up a holiday, I think just so everyone could take, you know, Patriots Day and we can all like kind of take off from work. So we can, basically it's so we can observe the marathon. Oh, that's making up a holiday for the marathon. I like it. I mean, that's something that I wouldn't mind them doing over here at all. Um, <laughs> Rebecca, we're coming to the end of our conversation and thank you so much for spending time chatting with me um, and reiterating a lot of things that we would have chatted on about ourselves, but I just really wanted to be able to share it with other people. So in the spirit of sharing, are there any resources for further independent learning on sport and self-defense on equity that you would like to share with us all today? Oh, sure. Thank you for that invitation. Um, I do a lot of, of social media posting about um, equity in sport and the emergence of, I call it sportswomanship um, on my Instagram account. <laughs> and it's called Becca's Fitness Mind, all one word. Um, and you can also follow information about um, 
self-defense workshops and trainings, also an Instagram on Roar Training LLC. And there you'll see the, the mention on each. So if you choose one, you'll find the other and vice versa. Um, and then in term, we also have a website, www.roartrainingllc.com. And we have our workshops. We have a whole section of her stories where we talk about the undertold or untold stories of women in running, as well as general safety blogs. Um, and, and, and different events that we take part in, such as um, our Runner Safety Awareness Week, which is a yearly event and is spreading to more and more cities, actually, each time we do it. Oh, fantastic. Um, and Rebecca, you were telling me about a site for the Rwandan project as well. Oh, you can you can follow Camara as well. Um, and that is their program directly. We do um, some social media together, but I will. They're, they do some amazing projects and it's K-O-M-E-R-A, Camara. Yes. Super. Um, Rebecca, I'm going to put all of these links at the end of our transcript for this. So people listening don't need to worry about scribbling them down. They'll all be there for them okay. as, as, at the end of that. Um, <laughs> Rebecca, do you have any final words or piece of advice that you would like to share with everyone? With everyone? Um, I would say, you know, to... I liked what, when we got to that point about putting one, one foot in front of the other. And I thought a lot about um, steps towards goals. And, I, and it is, you can really only do one thing at one time. And to just remember to keep moving in, in the direction towards your goal and, and keep, that as, uh, keep that in the forefront of your mind. Um, and in terms of inclusion, I think thinking when you create something new to keep that as one of the major or most important aspects of any project or program or sport or education, what it, pretty much all aspects of society. Um, I think that really has the most lasting value, but I was hoping you were also gonna ask me about you because although we didn't get you into a safety workshop, um, the next time we have a virtual one, I'm hoping you'll join us. <laughs> And, and everybody listening, this is Rebecca's perseverance um, because <laughs> Now, to be fair, I was very good at my walking and I went out and observed the sports, but Rebecca has been trying to get me into a class since I arrived in Boston. So I promise <laughs> I will at some stage um, get one, but you're going to have to like work me up to that. <laughs> Um, Rebecca, on that note, before you get me to 100% commit to it, <laughs> I'd say goodbye to everyone. Um, thank you so much for joining myself and Rebecca for talking about all things inclusion. And I hope that you will all join me again soon. Thank you again, Rebecca, for sharing with us today. Thank you, Mags. I really appreciate being on here. It's great to see you. Great to talk to you. <laughs>